Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, and I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so that they can make investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file, Just remember, the time to set up a line of credit is when you don't need it, so that when you do need it, it's ready to go. And considering that it doesn't cost anything to set the line up, uh, it's a smart decision. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Michelle Prince from Performance Publishing Group. Michelle is a best-selling author, sought-after motivational speaker, self-published expert, uh, leadership coach, and CEO founder of Performance Publishing Group. Um, a partner publishing company dedicated to making a difference one story at a time. She's helped thousands become published authors through her consulting courses, seminars, and and publishing services and found the Book Bound Workshop. She has also published many successful books, including her best-selling Winning in Life Now and The Power of Authority. Michelle has been endorsed by some of the most influential speakers in personal development, including Zig Ziglar. Um, Michelle, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So today's topic is how becoming the authority in your field can help your business. And, you know, the the advantage that a small business has um, is that the owner can be an important tool, marketing face of a business. So I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of liked this topic when we when we kind of uh, talked about it was because uh, in, in many regards, small the small businesses have an ace in the hall and that's the owner. Would you agree with that? 100%, 100%. I mean, because people do business with those they know, like, and trust. We've all heard this. And, uh, and that's usually the person who founded the company, right? The story, the backstory, why, why they got involved in this business. So getting your story out around it from the owner is super important. Yeah. You know, so many of us, when we first start our businesses, you know, we think, you know, it's such a learning curve and, you know, you, you go into it and you think, uh, oh, I want to be a $100 million business or I want to go public. And then you kind of learn, you know, that's not going to, it's not going to, it's not that you give up your dreams. It's just, you know, the product, you know, the, the products you sell or the services you perform, you realize that it's just not going to be this huge company. And I think this, you know, if you learn that sooner, um, then you can really use yourself as the authority like you're talking about. Um, so tell us a little bit about what are the conditions that would have to exist for you to be kind of considered 
and authority just before you even start promoting that thought process. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the, the reality is, is especially as business owners, we are all the reality or the uh, sorry, the authority of our of our story of our business, right? And, and most of the time, we start a business where we have some sort of expertise. Uh, you know, maybe if it's a consulting company, it's something you've been doing for a while. You're getting customers and clients because of who you are, especially when you're first starting out. I mean, yeah. especially if you're a solopreneur. So, um, and, and if they connect with you, they're, they're going to do business with you. So, for for what I've seen is the the business owners that really uh, grasp that early on and and leverage their brand, their authority, they build a platform. You know, they do things like what you're doing, right? A podcast, you're building your platform, writing a book, you're building your platform. All of that creates this authority. Um, but you have it because you're already in business, right? So you have authority if you're getting customers. <laughs> you have authority uh, in what you're doing. So what I'm suggesting is just taking that to a different level and making it make it easy for your customers, your clients to choose you as the natural choice for their solution. And that's what authority yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, most people would think that in business, uh, like if you take an example like Steve Jobs and Apple, mm -hmm. right? I, th I think he's an unusual case in a Fortune 500 or a very large company where the owner of the company really was as big as the brand, mm. right? You know, but I don't think that's very normal in big business. Uh, agreed? Well, I think absolutely agree in the way it was. I see it happening though more and more. I mean, you see, yeah. you know, Virgin and Tesla, and, yes. you know, and I, I think they're uh, realizing the power of their brand. Um, I actually was having a call with a, a president of a, a huge um, uh, software company yesterday and, you know, huge global company and they're realizing some of their executives are writing books. Uh, not necessarily to create something just for themselves, but it's just lending more credibility to the people in charge. And yeah, so I think more and more, we're going to see it more and more, I think. Yeah, you know, it's right. It's, it's, it's interesting. You're right. I think, I think it depends on the CEO yeah. or the owner, right? I mean, you know, like Jeff Bezos is not a dynamic guy, right? Right. Steve Jobs was, uh, uh, Virgil Atlantic, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, yeah, Richard, uh, Richard Branson. Richard Branson, right? Uh, he's a dynamic guy and he's got an incredible story to tell, you know? So, you know, I, I think it might start with the person, right? If you're, if you are, let's face it, I wonder if any of those guys are introverts. I don't think so. Like if you're an introvert, I wonder if you can oh. build that, you know, that persona. And what do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, early in my career, I worked for Zig Ziglar. And so, and most people who know him see him as this gregarious, on the stage, bigger than life, um, you know, outgoing man. The reality was, as far as personality profiles and all that, he is more introverted. Um, mm. So he, he, so I think it depends maybe in the role that they're in. Um, you know, a tr the way I look at somebody who's a founder, I mean, Truly, most founders are the visionary, right? They're very rarely, well, sometimes they're the implementer, but most of the time, if they're the implementer type, they have a partner who's the visionary, right? So most people who found, find, you know, start companies have that kind of innate 
like, I want to do something. I want to build something. I want to um, impact more people. And so maybe there's a part of them that, you know, is more extroverted. I don't know. Um, well, I think you'd be you actually you brought up a great point that contradicts what I said. And that is you could be an introvert in your own life, but yet you step on stage and it all comes out. And I think we, you know, have heard and seen that in certain performers, right. Yes. Who do, you know, who are singers and stuff like that. They, they kind of are, they, you know, they're one way in their personal lives. And then when they get on stage, it completely changes. And uh, you know, and a lot of times, uh, you know, not to scare anybody, but that's my understanding what causes stage fright as well. Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, not that I'm an expert on it, but um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So like, so the conditions again, that would have to exist for someone to say, Hey, you know, I want to start to build a brand where I'm the authority on something. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, like what are some of those conditions? Well, you know, anyone can write a book, right? So, and, and I come as a publisher, I come from the, the, the sideline of the writing books, but this really applies if you're doing a podcast, a blog, anything, you know, it's, it's kind of just getting clarity on, well, what is it that you're sharing with someone personally or professionally that can make an impact? I mean, and, and that's why going back to being a business owner, that's usually why you start a business. You have something that you can provide personally, professionally that can help people. Um, but I do think too, it, it, for somebody to really leverage the authority of being an author, you know, you have to have a bigger why. It's not to sell books. And if it is, that's okay. But it doesn't mean that that's, um, you know, you have to sell a lot of books to really make that worthwhile. So most people, where it makes sense is if you're looking to build a business, if you're looking to scale, if you're looking to sell a business. Uh, we've done some books for some CEOs specifically because they wanted to sell their business and they wanted it to be, you know, seen as more valuable because they have uh, a bigger reach. Um, so there has to be a bigger end game than just selling books. But I mean, really, everyone has a story, uh, you know, and every business has a story. And that's usually what attracts the type of customers that are the right fit for you. So um, I think any condition can really be there, but there, you have to have the end game in, in sight. Why are you writing you, a book? Not just to sell books. Yeah, you ever, you ever think that, um, have, <laughs> I wouldn't think this has happened. Has anyone ever come to you and said, I want to be authority you know, maybe they wouldn't use those words, but I want to be an authority in my industry, but I don't ha have an idea. I want to write a book, but I don't know what I'll write a book about. I, I would think that almost everybody who comes to you already knows that they have a, <laughs> an idea of what they want to write about. Is that true or not? No, funny enough. In fact, really? I'm at a conference room right now because I spent the morning helping somebody uh, figure it out, uh, mapping ideas out. No, I think most people have an idea of what they think that they could write about. And most yeah. of the time we go where we have experience. Um, I'll give you an example. So most my whole career, I was in sales. I started working for Zig in sales, actually. And I've sales just kind of came easy to me early in my career. And so for a long time, I knew I wanted to write a book. And I thought my book would be about sales, you know, maybe cold calling 101 or something like that, because I was good at it. But I had absolutely no passion for it. I, I every time I thought about doing it, I was like, Oh, so it's not about just writing about something you're good at, you have to find something that you you've experienced, but you're also passionate about. And 
And, and sometimes that's a hard process for people to figure out. Uh, before pre-COVID, I was doing live events that we were helping people to I, you know, unpack that and asking them certain questions. Um, because every single person who would ever write a nonfiction book, everything that they would put in that book, unless it's, I'll preface it, unless it's like a, a, a legal book or a medical book or something uh, where you have to make a lot of references, almost all of it is in your head. So it's just a matter of pulling it out, but getting it in a format that that benefits somebody who reads it. So for you, for example, you know, you 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 all help people with credit lines, right, and, and financial services. So um, you easily could talk and write a book about financial services and doing all that. But there's got to be more to it, or it's just a textbook on. So it's kind of the backstory. Well, why you? Well, how did you get into this? What what's what drives you? Why are you passionate about you know helping people in that area? And so those two things combined, the passion, the experience um, is the key. But to answer your question, you know, I, I don't know the exact percentage, but in our workshops, at least half the people who show up have no idea what they're going to write about. And yeah. By, by the end of the first day, everybody has an entire book mapped out because yeah. it's in there. It's just a matter of. Yeah, I actually have written a, I wrote a chapter in a, in a book and uh, so it was, it was great writing it. I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had, you know, there were some positives and there were some negatives. And the, you know, what I wrote about it was the six companies I built, uh, you know, over 25 years. And that, you know, and I, you know, so I really, I had done it for a couple of reasons. I didn't do it for authority. Um, I did it because I only had to write one chapter and the, the whole series of, chapters in the book was about people who built companies and hadn't had failed. Now I hadn't failed. So I, you know, it, I had closed companies down. So the, my chapter was a little different because I had successfully closed companies down and moved on or sold them and moved on. But, um, so I, I loved the experience of being able to write something that was only, 20 uh, plus pages. And uh, I did it over like a three month period every Friday for two hours. So I would go to a coffee shop and sit there and just write the book and uh, write the chapter. And <clears throat> I just love that process because I thought one, I thought that down the road when I eventually retired, that I, that's something that I thought I would do um, uh, for, you know, for a living. And also, to get me motive to get me um, speaking gigs. Yes. You know, that, that was one of the things too. And I said, okay, this is a, you know, a good way for me to kind of get into it now. So it was, a, it was a very positive experience. The, the negative experience was um, that the guy who was putting the book together, the other chapters were not that good. Mm. They, I thought that they were, uh, you know, we had one person who self-promoted themselves throughout the whole thing mm. about life insurance. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't consistent and it was, so I'm not, I'm proud of my chapter, yeah. but I'm not proud of the book. Right. So, um, and then, you know, it was interesting too. And I'm sure, you know, Michelle, you're kind of maybe aware uh, of course of doing this. And that is, you know, they got it on the Amazon bestselling list. But, you know, and I've heard that they've changed the algorithms in regards to that. But, you know, they were able to get it on uh, the Amazon bestselling list for three different categories because 
they like, you know, manipulated the algorithm by buying all these books at the same time and in these yeah. uh, unique categories and things. So I do use it, uh, my chapter. So I give my chapter out a lot. Awesome. I don't give the book out. Right. No, totally. You know, so it's my PDF and I can do that. And it's a hard copy book, but I don't do that. And um, so it's been a very positive experience. And yes, I will write another book. Uh, a couple, well, I'll write another book and see how that one goes. Um, but it may not be about my, about myself. So, um, what were you going to say? Well, I'm I was sorry. just going to say, you know, just from what you said, I mean, for me, I think a natural look for you, I would love to know the backstory of how did you sell or, or get rid of, or, or benefit, you know, close down companies. And, you know, I'm as a business owner fascinated by that. So to me, you know, I always think about a book. What does somebody want to learn from you? And what are the questions most people ask you? Um, you know, you do a podcast, so it's kind of like the same messaging or, or, or even the same great content you're providing in a podcast is what probably should go into a book as well. Because not everybody yeah. goes into a podcast, but they may pick up a book and vice versa. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the podcast uh, for my listeners. Uh, I never told anybody. I don't do the podcast for um, authority. Um, I actually, it's, it's a very strange, uh, multitude of different reasons. Uh, one, the number one reason is these podcasts get turned into articles that then go onto my website, which then drive SEO traffic, search engine optimization traffic. And, um, and it's, it's less expensive for us to, to do that than it is to pay a professional writer to start from scratch. So that's the number one reason is lead generation. All right. And so number two is because um, I really like talking about, um, I like talking to experts about entrepreneurship. And so I, I, I find it fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. And, you know, especially since the COVID days, we're now I'm working out of my home versus, you know, in our offices. And, you know, it allows me to get out meeting people. And it's, you know, it's, it really has been good at replacing the face to face because Michelle and I are talking uh, with the new, this new, we use Zencaster, which people who, who are not aware um, allows you now the, to do both video and audio. We record both of these and the video goes up on, on YouTube and the audio goes out to all the podcasting apps. Um, and so it's, it's fun. I, I really enjoy it. It's not difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, like the other thing, the third thing is sometimes, you know, this is my third year doing this. And, you know, I think sometimes you just got to try it because you don't know where it's going to go. And, um, <clears throat> so I actually do two podcasts. I do the entrepreneur MBA podcast and the nonprofit MBA podcast because our, we have two clients in my business. They're nonprofits and they're entrepreneurs. So, so I don't really do it because uh, I want. I'm building a brand of the authority of Steve Halasnik. It's right. you know, it's just that's. I don't think really people care about that. Um, I know I don't care about it. So, um, so those were you know some of the reasons. Yeah. Well, and it, but it's the lead gen, like you said, it's content creation. It's a lead generation, so you're which is the it, why, yeah. right? To build the authority for the business online, yes. and so yep. it, which it does, it absolutely mm -hmm. does. And so I, it's the same concept, um, but 
you are the face, you know, of the business because of what you're doing and, and being the, you know, the person running the show and all. So, yeah. So I, I you know, um, and it, you know, for those who are, you know, so let's talk about, you know, your, your part and involvement in helping someone write a, write a book um, and those type of things. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what we should know. Sure. So there's a couple ways, um, you know, we have a publishing company. So for those who don't want to, we work primarily with entrepreneurs, business owners, um, people that want to get their story out and don't necessarily want to learn the whole process. They don't necessarily want to learn how to, or where to go get editors and how to buy ISBNs and all of that. So that's a huge part of our business. Um, but I also do uh, consulting. Um, you know, we do, I do half day where for people who really don't know what their story is or they think they know, we'll get on a whiteboard and literally just map the whole thing out so that we can get the chapters, sub chapters and all that so that they can go write the book. Um, and, and so really it just depends where they are. We, the seminars and the digital courses we do are, are geared towards self-published authors, people who want to do it on their own. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's, it's kind of like, what's going what is the best approach? And so we, we, we try to, to meet everyone, but primarily we're focused on, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, people that really see their book as a business card and want to, you know, use it as, as marketing as such. And so we help them bring it to life. So t- tell me about a best practice. Let's pick somebody that you're thinking of who has written a book and, um, you know, that's, they, people might think that's the easy, the hard part, mm-hmm. but after it's written, you don't just let it sit there on their shelf. Tell me a best practice about someone who's really done some innovative things to uh, promote their authority. Mm, great question. Yeah, I can think of several people. Um, one that comes to mind is a doctor and he used, he's written several books now, but the first book that he wrote was pretty much answering all the questions that people, when they came into his office would ask. Um, he, he, he did, a, a, a people would come from all over. He had kind of a destination practice and, you know, lots of questions of, well, how can you help me? And, and it was an ongoing type of solution, not just a one and done doctor visit. So, you know, he's selling some high ticket, um, packages, if you will. And basically he would take that book and when they say like, okay, so you can help me with my diabetes or you can help me with, you know, whatever, he's a holistic doctor. He would literally take that book and slide it across the table and say, chapter eight tells you how we do it. And all of the testimonials, these are all the people that we helped in that area. He said that one book alone was the best marketing investment he's ever made uh, because, you know, the, the return was you know, he, he gave us a number, but it was, you know, six figures plus of just converting business because of that. Um, you know, another speaking for those who do want to speak, we, uh, because my, my story and my background and how I started began more on the speaking side of things. We help a lot of folks who want to, to, to open those doors. And so, um, giving the book away is sometimes one of the best ways to, to build a list. I don't have one handy to show you, but one of my books is actually a small book. It's, it's, we call them um, mini books or business card books. And literally, I know for when I go out and speak, if I'll speak, speak to a room of a couple hundred people, I'll offer everybody who would like to get a free book on, on how to write your, or, you know, it's called your book is your business card. And it literally gives them a ton of great information that they could take that they could go on their own and they could start writing and publishing and marketing their book. 
Um, but we, I, I said, great, well, let's exchange business cards. That is my business card. <laughs> so literally at the end of the conference, I'm, I'm getting hundreds of business cards to, that I'm adding to our database to, to, you know, give them some good content and information. Those end up being some of the best clients because they'll, they'll have that book. People will throw away a business card, but they won't throw away a book in most cases. So a lot of times that book sits on someone's desk for a year, two years, and then all of a sudden we'll get a call and, you know, hey, I'm finally ready to do my book. Um, and so we, we, th those are some creative ways to really leverage it. Yes, you're selling books, but it's never going to be just the revenue doesn't really come from the sale of a book. It comes more from the opportunities that open up consulting, speaking, you know, and, and all kinds of other things like that. What about, uh, have you thought of, have you gone in the direction of helping people with podcasts? I mean, that's a, that's a form of authority. Not specifically. Usually I'll just refer them out. However, for every book that we do at, uh, at the very end, I, I do a strategy call and that's one of my, my biggest recommendations. So I, I love podcasts. I have my own podcast that we paused when um, COVID hit, but I love being on it because you have just such a great opportunity to share your content. And, and what you would talk about on a podcast is, is likely what you would put into a book. So the way we look at it is it's not just a book. It's not just a podcast. It's, it's all of these different things. It's taking that, creating a digital course out of it, starting, you know, you could do a seminar on it, those kinds of things. But podcasts, I just think are, I love podcasting. Um, yeah. What about, so what about the people who have, you know, everybody nowadays, the, the self-publishing idea has been out for what, you know, when I say self-publishing, I mean, you know, through you and, you know, and, and yourself, but I don't know, three years now, you think, has it been? Oh, no, at least I've been in business for 12. So at least oh. 15 to, I would say where it became acceptable. So for years, 30 years ago, there was something called vanity press, vanity publishing. Um, uh, and it was not looked upon very favor favorably. <laughs> so yeah. I would say in the, probably the last 15, 18 years, it has become much more mainstream. And then within the last five years, my gosh, it's, you know, everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It just seems like to me, like, I don't know if it was three years or five years uh, ago, whatever. It just seems that, that the term, um, the new business card is, a, is your book. Mm -hmm. That, that was what I kind of remember. Now, whether how long ago it was, I, I don't remember, but, but, um, but the, but what ha have you seen any of books that have gone big? Like, in other words, viral, you know, like where they've actually made lots of money that publishers would maybe, I don't know if they would pick it up, but where it sold a lot. Yeah. Because, sure. I, you know, the idea is 99.9% .9 of the books that you're right, you're not going to make any money off of, right? It's a business card, right? Well, there's the same, it's, I've, I've read recently that, you know, the average first time author sells about 500 books in the lifetime of the mm. book. And <laughs> it's usually to friends and family and all. And, and yeah. that's not that far from the truth if there's no marketing involved. So for somebody who thinks they're going to write a book and all of a sudden they're going to sell all these books, it's very, very, very unlikely. But I, we do know and have had many, many authors who put a huge marketing effort into it. But to be truthful, they're not the ones who really just, you know, if their dream is to be a New York Times bestseller, there is a place for that. But it's usually not a first time author. And so, you know, and that's really what we specialize in. We specialize in helping first time authors. So, you know, do we have we I can think of a couple authors who are selling thousands and thousands of books 
but they're doing it more um, back of the room sales when they're speaking, or they are, um, a lot of times people will uh, include a book when they do a speaking engagement as part of the, the contract. So they're moving a lot of books, but you know, somebody just organically finding it with no marketing effort whatsoever and it's selling a ton, not that many, not that many. What about, so, so what if you, uh, if you say that is my goal, my goal is to get, to go to a publisher yes, and to uh, say, you know, I have an idea for a book. I want to write this book and I want you to publish it. What would the conditions have to be? Do you think for the publisher to say, yeah, uh, um, uh, that's yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, great question, and there is absolutely a place for that. In fact, um, but you know, think of a, a major publishing house like the the big boys, the ones that have been around forever. They're, they're it's a business, so unless they can guarantee a return on their investment, they're not going to pick up an author. So they have to have an author that can prove they have a platform, and that's what goes back to building this authority. So if you can prove that your book will sell, you know, five thousand copies day one because of the the platform you've created, they're all over that in, in some genres, right? Um, so it, it's a very competitive market. But if you think about the ones that you see on the New York Times bestsellers or the ones who, who are all over the media, they had a platform before they got picked up in most cases, unless they were a politician, a huge pastor, somebody you know well-known. Um, that's usually the case. So there are many, many, many times where somebody self-publishes or they, they do hybrid publishing, which is kind of the middle ground. And then uh, for their next book, uh, they work with a large publisher. And, and, and that's because they need the publisher needs proof that they're going to be successful before they take them on. Because the difference is if you're self-publishing or hybrid publishing, you're paying to get your book published. If you work with a traditional publisher, in most cases, they're paying you to to write the book. Um, if you're well-known, you're going to get a lot of money. If you're not well-known, you get a little. But again, it's because they know they're going to make a return on their investment there. So um, in fact, even for myself, I, I mean, I'm a publisher. I can publish books, you know, but uh, I, and I've published 14 already of my own, but I am working on a book right now that I'm maybe going to be working with a publisher on because the platform is there. And so if you think of it that way, so for, so an author who comes to us and I've had many conversations with people that I say, you know what? No, don't, don't work with us. Don't self publish. You have an opportunity to work with a traditional publisher. The difference is traditional publishing. You, you, you know, you get 80, they take 80 to 90% of the profit, right? So that's the reality. But if you're moving hundreds of thousands of books, you're not doing it usually for the money. They do own the rights to it, but they have the leverage to get you everywhere. So um, it, it, most people, by the time they have a huge platform, they're willing to give that up in order to, to be everywhere. And a first-time author usually isn't willing to give up rights to their stuff or the, the profit. So there's a right. And that's why when we, whenever I talk to people, there's no right or wrong way to get a book published per se. It's just what's best for you and what are ultimately your goals. If you want to be in every Barnes and Noble in, in all of the, you know, America, well then you probably have to work with a, a traditional publisher who has those in-store distribution channels. If you just want to be on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, I mean you could do that through self-publishing. So it just depends on the goals. And how much are you to invest? Yeah, what's what is the um how many books do you think you would have to sell? 
like uh, the, before the publisher, like, I don't want to go in reverse here. I want to say is like, if a publisher knows that your book will sell X amount, then they'll be interested in you. So I, you know, I don't know the exact number because I think everyone is different, but I have a colleague who is with a traditional publisher and the number they were floating around was around 5,000 in in immediately, like not over time, but if you could, if you could guarantee, you know, you could sell 5,000 books. So if you think about, um, I'll use a pastor as an example because they have a built-in platform where let's say they launch a book and they have a, a church that has, you know, five, 10,000 people there. The, the likelihood of them moving that many books that quickly is pretty high because they have yeah. the platform, they have the audience to sell to. Whereas, you know, a brand new entrepreneur, or small business owner who's still trying to even build a social following may not have that. Um, but the number, I don't know if there's the magic, magic number, but that 5,000 is the number I've heard float around. Yeah, it's awfully small. You know, it's, yeah. I don't think it's difficult to get rid of 5,000 books. I mean, I I have a, a, a friend. One, though, uh, like immediately, sorry to interrupt you on that, but I don't mean, just I'm saying pretty quickly. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I have a a, a friend of mine is uh, Mike McAllowitz, and uh, Mike McAllowitz is a, uh, he actually rents for me. I own a, a large office commercial building, and he's he owns uh, uh, two companies. Then one of them is his, and well, well he's partners in another. One. But anyway, so he um, he's had a, a number of businesses too. But several years ago, he moved into public speaking, and so he travels. Oh boy, like fifty, at least fifty weeks. A year, wow. like speaking, like all over the world, right? And um, I never talked to him about, you know, when he originally started doing it, you know, if he was doing it to sell books. But now, you know, he so he did the he self published the first book, and you know now he's up to his sixth book. And but he did that. He moved from self publishing into because he has such a, a big following, which are you know hundreds of thousands of followers now um he he now works with a publisher yes you know, of course. because he has that track record and and he has he could sell at least five thousand you know easily yeah so you know and it's funny it's the ones who who all of a sudden appear um speakers and they seem to come out of nowhere right with this great big this successful book but if you really dig back their first book yeah, oh, yeah. was I mean, I think Brene Brown, her first book was self-published. I could, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty about 80% sure that's the case. So it happens all the time. You just don't necessarily know about it, but that's why self-publishing, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. If it's going to be able to help you build that platform, that is what's necessary to get out into bigger channels, then, then my file means go that route. So, um, what is a cost? To, to, to do a, uh, to, you know, quote unquote, self-publish. What, what, what are the costs involved? Yeah, so there's different levels. I mean, to work with, say, like a hybrid publisher, um, and, and, and there's so many different levels, depends on if you're doing, do you need ghostwriting? Do you just need editing? You know, it, it can range. Um, I have some colleagues that their projects started around 30,000. Um, and, you know, on the extreme end of self-publishing, you could probably self-publish a book for a tenth of that. Um, you know, we come in probably right in the middle, somewhere in that 10 to 15 range for, you know, depending for the all inclusive services, but there is a solution at every price point, pretty much. Um, the big factors are what all is included, 
what kind of a book, hardcover, paperback, you know, is marketing included? Are you doing audiobook? And so a lot of that determines the price, but, but that's, I mean, it's, it's a huge range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know I pay, I paid 2000 for my chapter, for chapter and then there was, yeah. and there were several chapters involved. So um, I, it was a bargain for me, I thought, because I just, you know, it gave me a test to see if I like writing, if I, you know, like spending that time doing that, you know, if I liked the product, it's, it was, to me, it was a great opportunity. Um, now, would, would I do a chapter like that again? Only if I knew all my artists, uh, probably not, because I already, you know, the, the ideas that I would have for my next books are not really about me, honestly. They're, they're a little bit more about business-oriented things. But, um, you know, so anyway, okay, good. Uh, anything, last words that, that, that you would like to kind of talk to our listeners about, Michelle? Well, I, I love that you brought up that you did a chapter because, you know, at the end of the day, whether you write a chapter, whether you write a small business card book or you write a full book, you are still a published author and you get the same benefits of using yep. that, that leverage. Um, and a best-selling. And best-selling, right, right, right. <laughs> because right. Amazon, I heard that that's very hard to do again. Um, well, because at the end of the day, all all best-seller campaigns, it's marketing. And so uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is, right? But but does it help open doors? And if it does, then it's great, right? I, my first book, best-selling book, but it, it's a marketing campaign, as we know. Yeah. So, but, but the point is, is like just to have that, you know, whether you're trying to build authority or whether you're trying to sell a business or whatever, to be able to say you're a published author, it doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't hurt. Um, and then for those who really want to make an impact personally or professionally, a book is one of the easiest ways to get on stages to and open these bigger doors to where you can impact more people. So, um, yeah, I, I think anyone who has a, a business, and if you haven't thought about it, should consider having a book. What's interesting is I don't use it at all as an authority chapter book, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't do it at all, and uh, you know, it's it's it's. I, I've used it for like I always use a lot of interns, and so it's interesting. I use a lot. Of, I use a lot of interns because it's like a way for me to give back, okay. and um, I always have them read the chapter because it really gives them. Uh, you know, I th the key advantage is it gives you insight as to the life of an entrepreneur, mm. you know, that it's not, you know, this glamorous life, it's huge ups and downs, you know, in fact, the number one reaction I usually get from a lot of the interns was like, wow, I didn't know, you know, how hard this was, you know? And I'm like, well, duh, you know, but you know, <laughs> they're college oh, kids, yeah. right? Yeah. But anyway, they, um, and and I've been lucky. I've done well, but uh, but uh, yeah, but I haven't really. You know, it's interesting. I haven't really uh, used it anywhere in my business to um, to build a brand uh, for myself. So uh, so anyway, like going back to what you're saying, there are a multitude of reasons of why someone will do it. Yes. Um, you know? Yeah. And for you, I think it's maybe just planting the seeds that maybe if you continue you, you, that you enjoyed the process. So you'll be more likely to maybe do your own full book, which is if you used any to leverage would probably be the one you would use. Personally. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right, Michelle. All right. Well, I, you know, 
thanks for coming on. You know, I think it's a very interesting topic. I would like to thank so very much Michelle Prince from Performance Publishing Group for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Michelle, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? So our website, performancepublishinggroup.com, you can schedule a free strategy call if you're considering writing a book, and that's one of the best ways. Or I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, you know, all of the all the others as well. <laughs> yep. That's P-R-I-N-C-E, Michelle, with two L's, uh, Prince. Uh, great, Michelle. And for our listeners out there, if you're interested in getting new business ideas, um, I tweet daily about lessons for business owners at S Holastic, which is my name, at S H A L A S N I K. And just uh, as just a good reminder, I mean, I'm a firm believer that every single business out there has to be fantastic at marketing. You have to be great at lead generation. You could have the best product, the best service in the world, but if you can't generate inexpensive leads that turn into clients, you have no business. And uh, to me, you could not have as great a service or not as great a product, but have be great at marketing and you'll have a successful business. And today, Michelle really showed us the way uh, on how to use one of your best resources, and that is the entrepreneur himself or the business owner herself. So uh, everybody have a fantastic day. Get out there, enjoy the great weather, and uh, please take care of yourself. Thanks. Thanks.